That's scary. When you started it? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't ready. Because <laughs> I was paid triple towel. The show has started. Get Three towels. I'm off of it. Better stop. All right. You ready? I was born ready. <laughs> so we started the last podcast. I said I was born ready? Uh-huh. Or I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said it because there was a reference to Frozen. Indeed there was. All right. Are you really ready? I'm ready. Uh, we're going to talk about this because it was pissing me off the Let's past few days. this by saying I don't know what we're talking about. I told you what we were talking about. You said multiple things. I said one thing. What is the one thing? Public speaking. Oh, you did say that. Yeah, one of the you, many things you, you said. You just never fucking listen. No, because you said multiple things when I said, what are we going to talk about this week? I, I, Public speaking. I did say multiple things. It's a love-hate. It's a love-hate? Yeah. It's a purely hate? I don't think so. I mean, Does this count as public speaking? No. You're not in public. Your voice is publicly being broadcast, but you're not standing in front of a group of people speaking. You're sitting in a chair in your comfy clothes. Let's look it up. What defines public speaking? Being in public. Speaking. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, anyways. I don't think there's like a... I don't think there is a like set amount of people that dictates public speaking maybe i'm wrong what's it say wikipedia says the most trusted source on the internet mm-hmm. public speaking also called oratory or oration oratory or oration you're making up words <laughs> no that's what it says has traditionally meant speaking in person to a live audience today it includes speaking formally or informally to an audience through technology so this is fucking public speaking no it's not yeah, it is. Live, pre-recorded, or at a distance. Okay, let's go to a more... I wouldn't call... Like, yes, you are speaking to the public, but you are not public speaking. So Webster's... Let's go. Merriam-Webster, the actual definitory... I just made that word up. The actual definition is the actor process of making speeches in public... Or number two, the art of effective oral communication with an audience. See, that doesn't say pre-recorded or live audience or... It, so, again, like, you are speaking to the public, but you are not public speaking. Whatever. Like, when you... I don't know. I guess, you sure, you can consider this public speaking. <laughs> I'm not going to argue You're just giving up? Yeah. Because I think there are instances where I was thinking of my public speaking class that I had to take, and it was recordings. Yes. Which but is still weird. It was weird, but it was because I was video recording myself. Um, but I still didn't consider that public speaking. It was a recording. I mean, uh, like... Uh, I, I mean... This all is, in all. This is how I say it. Okay, look. In a TED Talk, when the person stands on stage and talks to the audience, 
That's public speaking. Every single time that YouTube video is played, I don't consider them public speaking again every time that YouTube is video played. They public spoke once to the audience and then it just got recorded and played again. I don't know. If we want to call it public speaking, we can. I disagree, but we'll move along. Just to be clear, <laughs> I'll just get in a rise out of you because I don't consider this public speaking. Pre-recorded, whatever. Public speaking to me is being in front of a live audience and giving a speech or speaking to them, answering questions. I have to sneeze. <laughs> oh, Bless man. you. Thank you. Uh, that to me is public speaking. And I know that's public speaking because I'm not really nervous for this, but I get nervous for public speaking. Um, it's actually called glossophobia. Did you know that? Yeah, I just looked it up a little while ago. In preparation of this podcast. I just looked it up right now because you didn't tell me what we were talking about. I fucking told you. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like... I don't, okay, so I'll do this in a two-part. I don't get nervous doing the podcast, but I also don't go back and listen to it after because it makes me uncomfortable. It's super embarrassing. I just don't like to hear myself. Um, Like, I think the topics we talk about are awesome, and if it was someone else talking, I would listen to them, but I don't want to hear myself talk. I'm the other one talking. I like you, but I don't want to hear me, and that's, I'm most the talker. (laughs) What? But anyways, in the same vein, like, I don't get, I wouldn't say nervous talking in front of a live audience, um, but I get uncomfortable. And I think, like, I don't get nervous, like, I don't have a fear of going up and, like, talking in front of people, but I have a fear of, like, making myself look stupid. Oh, I have a big fear of that. I think that's where most of, like, the public speaking nervousness comes from like i don't think people are like judging me or like trying to like figure out what i'm saying is wrong or i'm incompetent but i do think that like um i stumble over my words a lot i'm very aware of like pauses when i'm speaking or if if i get confused about something i'll start rambling and I'm aware of it. And so it just makes it worse because I'm trying to make it stop and it just keeps going. Um, but I think like the act of walking out and like starting a public speaking engagement or anything like that. I'm just like, eh, whatever. I mean, physically, my body says, fuck this. Like my neck breaks out. It gets really red. I talk really, really fast in the beginning. And then after maybe like a minute or two, I'm like, okay, we're good. But it doesn't matter how many times I public speak. And there has been a lot <laughs> throughout my career. Um, it happens every time. But I'm, I wouldn't say I'm nervous or have a fear anymore. Public speaking, oh, it's different. Um, like, even if you have an audience, there's different forms of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, that just... And I have different comfortability with the different ones, which is weird. First of all, all this started was because today I had to public speak and I was very uncomfortable. But you did well. 
I, I don't know if I did well. I did okay. I did good enough to pass. That means you Unless did well. they were like this poor bastard. He just needs to pass and get out of here. <laughs> they could have done that. No, I don't think um, so. But I stress about it all freaking weekend. I could tell it was really bothering you last night. Yeah, and I haven't been like that in a long time. Yeah. And uh, it's weird because for the past, for the past, let's see, for at least over half of my career, at least, I've been in a position that requires public speaking Yeah. on a regular basis. On a daily basis, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like aside from the three years that we were here last time, I mean, I did some public speaking, but it wasn't as frequent as like the last four years or the four years before that. So I will say this, and this is just because I've been here throughout your career journey, and I could be wrong, and you can tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it anyway. I don't necessarily think you have a fear of public speaking. Hear me out. I think you have a fear of new information in public speaking. Yes. Because when you begin, when you become comfortable with your information, you can public speak with no issues. Like when you're a TI and you were teaching courses and you taught the same thing in repetition, it didn't bother you anymore because you're comfortable with that. When you were an instructor at Goodfellow, you got comfortable with the information. You could just spit it out like it was, it was like... It wasn't new. Now, in this course, you're learning very rapidly a lot of new information. You're not having time to become comfortable with it. And then you're having to present it. And so I think the fear is more of like you're not 100% comfortable with the information by just talking in front of a group of however many people are in there. Yes. No, I think that's right on the money. Like uh, when I'm comfortable with information that I'm I'm going to present – um, most of the time, most yeah. of the time I do, I do pretty well, like teaching. And that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, public speaking, there's different, I don't want to say levels. It's just different. Like, even though when you're teaching, your audience is different. Yeah. But also when you're in front of a crowd and you're teaching, you're teaching students, um, it's different than like when you're delivering a speech or like in my case, delivering a brief. Yeah. They're two different things for me at least. They're two completely different things. Whereas like when you're teaching um you know a lot of the information. You're trying to get people to learn um so you become familiar with it. And every once in a while new information uh gets introduced, but for the most part, you know like the bulk of the information yeah. and it just comes it comes naturally, I guess. And then when a brief or when you're given a speech, it's almost uh, like there's a lot of preparation that goes into that yeah. beforehand, whether it's the night before or like a week before or a month before, a lot goes into it. And even when you get up to that point, you're still like, fuck, man, I don't know. Yeah, I try to, um, like, as far as briefings and stuff go, it's different in a training environment. Yeah. But in like... The regular day-to-day, I try to just remind myself, like, no one, there's a probably a rare occasion where somebody else in the room is going to have spent as much time as I have preparing on that information. 
Like typically somebody can probably ask some off the wall questions, but typically I'm going to know the most about that topic in the room that I'm of the people I'm presenting it to. Yeah. Um, in a training environment, it's different because your instructors are always going to know more. They're the ones who set it up. They see the same information over and over and over again. Yes. Um, and so that puts you like immediate at a disadvantage, but, um, there are times though, like I can be like the smartest person on teaching. Like when I taught at, um, the one in eight course, I could be the smartest person on mission planning, like just teaching mission planning. But like, if you come in the room or if I'm giving instruction and you're there, I get more nervous. And I don't know why. Like, you should be somebody I'm more comfortable with. Yeah. But I'd, it makes me ner- more nervous if you're there. Yes. That's, uh, yeah, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I would do that, like, at, uh, I, basically, like, any job that I've had. Like, if it's um, briefing people that I don't know. Yeah. Even though I'm still nervous, I'm not as nervous as, like, hey, my boss just came in. Yeah. Or whoever, right? Then it becomes a little bit more nerve-wracking. Um, but yeah, like these briefs, uh, on top of, on top of, uh, you're taking in new information, being brand new, you're never going to give that same brief again. Like Mm -hmm. when we were never the same way. Well, yeah, never the same way. Um, but when you're teaching, like you go through the curriculum, you go through material. Yes. You update stuff. Um, and you just add it to what you already know. And it feels like with, in our case, when, with briefing, like you're basically going through headlines, digging into information, researching week in, week out for new stuff. Yeah, it's um And you're expected to be um the expert. The expert on that stuff. Yeah. Um so this website um says it's called crossrivertherapy.com. dot com. It's 31 statistics on fear of public speaking. Um, it says 75% of the population has a fear of public speaking at to some degree. Um, I think that's the word you were looking for other. Like there's different degrees of public speaking. Yes. Yeah. So to some degree, um, 75% of the population has a fear of public speaking. I would agree with that. Because um, like half the people in, well, I don't know if it was public speaking. But you know, but- when you were, I'll say it, like, when you were a kid in school, like middle school, high school, whatever the case may be, um, did you ever public speak? Uh, yeah, and I shit the bed like every time. Yeah? Yeah. I never really did until I got in high school. Um, like I never really had to get in front. I mean, like when I was really young, like in third and fourth grade and you had like be the teacher day and you got to like go up in front and teach the class a lesson. Did you guys have that? no not we were that. like big fucking nerds right yeah. so like n- some people wouldn't do it but like if you got so many good grades you could like teach a lesson for the day so the teacher would tell you like what you had to it was basically like a review but you gotta like write on the little clear sheets put them on the projector and like you know the whole thing like i just felt like the coolest cat right um and so i did that when i was young but then through like my middle school years i got into that weird like uh I was pretty, I won't say shy, but like I didn't want to be in front. And then in high school, I didn't have too much public speaking, but then I became the president of HOSA (laughs) and I had to like run meetings and I had to go to our chapter meetings and speak for like our entire school and stuff. 
and that kind of like pushed me there but I never like I guess where I'm going with this like for example Braylon she's 13 now but when she was like nine or ten she basically wrote this story about who her hero was and she got in front of her whole school and read it like there was parents and all her like um classmates and stuff and she was just so confident in herself like wasn't nervous like I'm sure like internally she was probably a little nervous but you couldn't hear it like she didn't she wasn't really quiet or like shaky voice she just got up there boom done and I was like man I never would have did that at her age (laughs) (laughs) I've been like "Mm, I don't got a hero move on (laughs) next person yeah so I mean some people just got it like that like they I don't know it comes naturally yeah and I hate them (laughs) I think like uh Elena will struggle I don't think she'll um I don't think it's something that she'll be comfortable with like public speaking Dallas she ain't gonna get no shits she'll be like listen sit down listen to what I gotta say (laughs) Um, but I don't know it's just yeah I don't know it's a it's a super common fear but um, I don't know I don't think it's a fear that like the more you do it the more you get over your fear Uh, I've been doing it for a long time and I haven't really overcome it Um, which is weird I think if you have that internal shyness um It doesn't matter, like, how often you do it. You're still going to get that, like, shy feeling when you get in front of a crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I ever get over it, but it's just weird. Like, the majority of my career has been spent having to public speak. And it's never gotten any easier. Um, I'm trying to... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it's gotten easier by any means. I still get, like, the like uncomfortable feeling right when I'm about to speak but I also am very different than you in this whereas like when I have to public speak or when I have to give a briefing or whatever I'll put my material together and I won't look at it anymore I'll go over what I'm going to say in my head but I don't practice I don't get up in front and click through the slides and talk out loud like whenever I'm giving the speech that's the first time it's happening because I I get in my head too much if I do it any other way um where I'll get to a slide or like because like basically when we do briefings like for our jobs we have like powerpoint slides up but when I practice I have found um I'll get to a slide and I'll say whatever my brain tells me I need to say on this slide and then when I'm actually presenting it I'll move on to the next slide and then my brain will be like, oh, you didn't say this on that slide. And I'll be hung up for the rest of the whole fucking time. <laughs> uh, and it'll be something completely arbitrary, right? Like has no bearing. It doesn't like falter. I'll be like, oh, can we go back one slide so I can, do you see that blue line? That's the water. Okay, next slide. <laughs> and it's like, I get so hung up on that little piece that for me, I'm just winging it. Like when we get there, we'll get there. We'll make it through. Um, but some people like practice almost to a script. Um, and I just, I can't do it. Uh, I have to practice for sure. But, and I still, I still get hung up on things and I still bumble my way through. Um, How much do you, so these are statistics. How much do you think the average time is preparing for a 10 minute speech? 
three days. 17 and a half hours. So, yeah. That's crazy. Five hours a day. That's crazy to me. Oh, that gives me anxiety. No, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It depends. The statistics of people who fear public speaking have gone up significantly from 2010 to 2020. Um, In 2010, they were... You want to know why? Why? Social media. Yeah, I guess. That fear that everybody has internally when they public speak gets magnified. And this is all speculation. I don't don't know. But it gets magnified knowing that Somebody could be recording you, and you're going to end up on the internet. Oh, I would agree with that, yeah. In 2010, it was 73% of Americans have a fear of public speaking, and in 2020, it was 85%. That's a big jump. Yeah. Do you think men or women are most likely to have a fear? Men. Nope. It's women? 44% of women reported while only 37% of men I think men are naturally just more confident it's very sexist uh, that's <laughs> fine um, I do I think that like um, and I'm not saying men don't do this but I think women um, and by women I'm saying I think myself <laughs> uh, I just focus a lot more on like external factors vice the material that I'm presenting like how do I look is my hair weird is there something in my teeth is the light making my face look shiny um like just all those external factors I think become more of a fear than like the material I'm presenting so you don't want to be embarrassed I mean I ultimately I'm so thinking you're about all being those judged judge yeah I don't on your appearance i would yeah i would say that's more of a factor for me than actually presenting the information whereas like i said for men i don't think like they care that much about those type of things i'm sure they do but just not to the extent of like, so it's weird because you do care about appearance but not in the i guess in the way in the way that you're putting it because you still care about your look or how you look but then you care even more about how you look presenting whatever it is. Did I, like, did I look stupid? Did I look like I know what I was talking about? Did I? Yeah. Did it look natural? When I first got this job, um, one of my things was like, when I talk, I just want to stand there. Like, I just want to stand, present my information and leave. But like in our job, that's highly frowned upon. <laughs> like you have to be moving, you have to work the room, um, whatever that looks like. And so when I was in training, like where we just came from teaching, um, I would just pace back and forth. <laughs> and they would like stop walking in front of the screen, stop pacing, um, just like walk somewhere, stand. But then I would rock. Like on the front of my feet, back to my heels. On the front of my feet, back to my heels. Um, And I just couldn't get it. Like I couldn't make it natural. I think I got dinged on it probably in every single briefing I had in tech school. 
one, my accent, they couldn't understand me. And two, um, I, I don't know if I ever told you this. Actually, this is weird. We've been married for a long time. Um, when I was in tech school, I had to go to like a speech class. No, you never told me that. Because they were basically like, like, we literally can't fucking understand you when you say words. I remember one time I was briefing a thread of the day. And I don't know, like, what word I said, but my instructor heard boner. And he just couldn't <laughs> keep it together. Like, he was laughing. And in my brief, right, like, he's an NCO. And at the time, I'm an airman. And I, this is, like, one of my most vivid memories from tech school. Um, I got pissed. Like, I'm 18 years old. And I'm essentially being laughed at in the middle of my briefing, which is timed. Like, I'm on a timer. I have information to cover. And I was like, what is the deal, man? Like, this is so inappropriate. Like, I'm trying to give this briefing. And I was like, just fail me. I'm done. And I left the room. Um, and he called me back in and everybody else was gone. And he's like, I just want to apologize. Like, that was unprofessional. But, like, you said boner. I was like, why the fuck would I say boner in the middle of a brief? Like, I didn't say boner. <laughs> and so we're going back and forth. And I had to give the briefing again, like, just to him so that I could pass. <laughs> But that's when I had to go to like a class basically to teach me how to lose my accent or to teach me how to articulate letters appropriately in the words. Um, and it really slowed down my speech because I I talk fast now, but I used to talk like way faster. Um, and so I had to like really focus on each letter of the word to like talk through it. And oh, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> And I think now that's one of the reasons I'm so, like, like, I have been that person up there with people laughing at you, and it is the worst feeling. Yeah, it's it's rough, and it, and it sucks because our community does it all the fucking time. Yeah. And when I say our community, I mean, like, the job that we're in. Uh, like, li- really, our profession is to stand up in front of people and brief them on whatever it is. What's going on in the world? Great yeah. information. Yeah, what's going on in the world? And it's like, it never fails. Every time you have people like snickering in the back or you have people having their own side conversation, basically just nitpicking everything you do, or you have people that are playing stump the dummy and they're asking questions just to see uh, how much you know or Mm -hmm. to prove that they know more than you or whatever it is. Like all the shit that you don't want in a briefing or you don't want people to do to you while you're public speaking happens more often than not whenever we're doing it yeah and it and it fucking sucks it's yeah it's a catch-22 like I really try to always give my airman feedback like on hey you know your briefing went well you covered the information these are areas where you can improve um but then again like once they're out of the training environment, they don't care. <laughs> they just, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Like, so for us, it's our job to public speak, right? So we're graded on it. We are, like, we have to go through training. And depending on how good we present information is, like, if we can get qualified on our jobs, things like that. So I remember when we came here the first time and I had to present a brief, um, I met the standard. Like, I hit everything on the grade sheet. But the person who was grading me was like, mm, I don't think you're good enough. 
And so I had a rebrief. And that's like, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I did all I was supposed to, but you still get to tell me like, hey, you're not good enough. Um, And I think it, for our career, not public speaking in general, but for our career field, um, I think it's a huge discouragement and it causes a higher fear of public speaking. So for all the work, for everything that goes into our career field and with public speaking and trying to better people, like you would think that most people, uh, most people in our career field would be excellent public speakers. Yeah. But the opposite is true. Like it's a breath of fresh air when you get a really good briefer. Yeah. And and that goes, I guess I never thought about it like and, that. And that goes for like like everybody in the career field, not just the new ones. It's like everybody that's been in the career field for years on end, from the brand new ones who some of them you have some sometimes you have some right out the gate that are just like excellent at public speaking and briefing and they just they just have it going on, all the way to the people like me that have been in for years, and still struggle. Yeah, but I I don't know. I guess it goes back to that degrees thing, like the degrees of public speaking. Yeah. Um and I say that because I'm gonna try to say this without like putting people on blast, but um I think when you reach a certain point in your career where your job like not your career field, but like your occupation is to lead people and talk in front of loud large groups. So like if you become a chief or a colonel and you have to hold commander's calls or if you become a manager of a company or a CEO and you have to hold training days, right? Like those people have to know how to talk in front of people. Um, and you can't be subpar at it when you get to that point in your career because you are representing an entire organization when you're speaking. Um, and I have seen like in the military colonels and chiefs who can get up and bullshit their way through a 30 minute talk and have not said a damn thing, but kept you engaged. Um, and I have seen people who are highly prepared and look like a complete ass. Um, and there was a, a point in my not so recent past career where a chief got up and talked and everybody in the audience was like, what the hell is happening right now? Um, and I feel like when you get to that point in your career and not where you're presenting information like, for your job, like a briefing, how we do, but when you are just being a leader and you're giving a leadership talk, um, like you can't, you can't be bad at that. And one of the things that I was reading about public speaking right now is, um, it says, can fear of public speaking or being bad at public speaking affect your career? Yes. And I think it wholeheartedly can. Um, the, article i was reading said no it can't but um i disagree <laughs> bullshit i'm looking at a stat right now that says 
Um, fear of public speaking has a 15% impairment in the promotion to a managerial or leadership position. Yeah, see? And I, I think that's fair. It, and I think that's true. Like, um, uh, like we could look back at the units that we just came from or even at another point in our career. Like, um, so one, extroverts stand out. And you automatically think, like, oh, they're go-getters just because they're mm-hmm. always – they're always thinking out loud or saying something or whatever, whatever. But then if you have good public speakers, like no matter what kind of work they're doing in the background, if they can get up in front of a crowd, say their piece and say it like a natural, good public speaker, that person is going to stand out in front of the grinder in the background. That's putting all everything together. Um, and all this dude did was speak nine times out of 10, that dude's going to get promoted. Yeah. But I don't think that so much as having a fear of public speaking as being publicly seen. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like the, the natural speaker. Yeah. I guess like when you speak, whether it's natural or not, it makes you known. Yeah. So when that's a breaking line in a promotion, so, like, if that guy that's grinding in the background has a fear of public speaking and never gets up because of his fear of public speaking, doesn't get promoted. No matter yeah. what. Like, even if that guy didn't give a speech, somebody else will. If that makes any sense. So, yeah. So, I'll give you an example. Because I had... So, when you move to a new base, you always have to have a sit down with, like, your leadership. And they just get to know you and, like, what are your goals? What are you hoping to accomplish? Um, and so today I had to sit down with my chief in my unit um, and I basically asked her like, hey, we pulled my records up. She looked at my records and I was like, well, what do I need to be competitive for a stratification, which is where they basically rank you on a number scale. Like you are the number two best master sergeant in the wing, whatever. Um, I was like, what do I need to be competitive for a strat for senior? Um and what she basically told me was volunteer for shit that's going to get you seen outside of the squadron, like the Air Force ball or um, uh, what were some other like NCO gra- a graduations, things like that. Yeah. All, um, all the shit where all the big wigs are around. Yeah. So things just like whether you put centerpieces on a tablecloth or whether you are the MC of the ceremony, make people who are in charge see your name and be familiar. You know what I mean? Like when, when people see Master Sergeant Villanueva, they should be like, Oh yeah. Like she was part of this. And that's basically how you're going to get promoted. Um, And man, it got me so frustrated. (laughs) Like just sitting in the meeting, I was annoyed. Well, um, I can't remember what it was for, but basically what the person had told me was if this person doesn't immediately recognize your name or know you from something mm-hmm. like your package or your form, whatever it is that got submitted is getting pushed aside. No mm-hmm. matter how good your record is or mm-hmm. how strong that package is, if your name doesn't click in their head, you're out. And that's tough. But, I mean, I don't find it invalid. 
Like, I think people really do that. Um, and so, like, for those of you who know military ways, um, the from master to senior, the stratifications just changed drastically. Have you read it? No. So, for master to senior, you... So, E7 to E8... Um, the only way you can be stratted is at the wing level. And the wing can only strat 10% of eligibles. So last year, I'm just going to talk about like the wing that we're in now. Um, last year, there was 224 eligible master sergeants for senior. Yes. That's a lot. First off. Um, and then, so you can strat the top 10%. So 22 of those people will get a stratification. Now this year, the top 10% get stratted on a number. So it, it'll say like number six of 224 or whatever. That's like what your performance report will read. Um, and then there's another thing that says top 25%. So if you're not in the top 10, but you are in the top 25, you will have that, those words on your performance report. We'll say top 25% of this rank. I'd rather you just not put nothing. <laughs> I said, oh, you're mediocre. <laughs> like, like that's how I read that. And the chief was like, oh, don't take it like that. And I was like, if I'm not in your top 10%, why would you put on there? Ah, you're still kind of good, but you're just not it, you know? Like, just write something else there. Like, let me put something else that I've accomplished other than you saying, hey, you didn't quite make the cut, but hey, you're still you're still all right. I don't you're know. Still I, don't in there. I don't see it as a negative. I kind of do see it as, like, it's still showing that you're above your peers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Like, top 25%. Like, that's for... 224 people, top 25% is pretty good. I mean, yeah. I don't... That's... that's ba What that is, is basically making the roster. Yeah, but you're the on the bench. Doesn't matter. <laughs> like, if this were the NFL and you made the roster, you're getting paid. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I just, like... I get why we're doing it. I just dislike it. Like, we don't have to dislike it. I do. Um... But one of the things that she said to me was um, when it came down. So last year, the stratifications were different. It was just however many people, the wing stratted 10 people, I think she said. Or I don't know, however many people they stratted. Um, but uh, what it came down to was was visibility. Like, have you done good things, right? Um, and what she told me today was, like, we have in our squadron really good master sergeants who are good at being master sergeants in our squadron. But their name is not known outside of our squadron, so they're never going to get the stratification. And that's that's hard. But, I mean, it's the truth. Yeah. And that that truth hasn't changed since... Um, at least since they came into my purview a few years ago. But another thing that we like briefly talked about was um, when, so each squadron can take their top whoever 
and present it and say, hey, these are my top 10 or my top however many they take forward. You can take up to 10%. Um, but I think most of the time they try to do like, hey, um, like these are my best people, right? And then at the group, they'll rack and sack them again or like renumber them to whatever the number is. And then they present it to the wing and they had their conversation, but then the wing commander takes them all behind closed doors and like does their own thing. What um, I was told, and I don't know how true this is or how accurate it is, was that uh, like wing commanders will look at who prior raiders were. Like who was your prior senior raider? Like other wing commanders? And then they'll reach out to those people. Like, hey, um, I see this person. And a lot of times, like in this unit, it's people haven't left this command. So they know them. But the ones who have left and came in, um, they'll look at it and be like, hey, you know, this person's in talks for stratification. Like, what do you think about them? And a lot of times, if senior raiders don't know you, then it's like, okay, like, you didn't do shit at that base for them to recognize you. So maybe that'll give me a leg up since... All my raiders are high ranking. Humble brag. Humble brag. Hey, give me that strat, guys. No, but I mean, it's it's one of those things where it really is in like who you know and who who sees you. Yeah. I don't know. Get out there. I didn't get- realize that I become promotion eligible next year. I thought I had to skip another year. Uh, let, let's see when you put on. Yeah, so next year. Next year. So yeah. So in March of twenty. Twenty-five. March of twenty-five. I'll. F- uh, no. Yeah, March of twenty-five. I'll find out. Yes. That's nerve-wracking. It's not too far away. I know. You'll find out in just a few months. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm not worried. Not worried like I I know I'm gonna make it. I'm not worried like it doesn't matter if I do or don't. Um, have you talked to um talked to the squadron who's gonna sign your performance report about like your like the status of stratification for you? No. Because like my unit wasn't even tracking that my report's closing out with them. Yeah, no, I'll figure it out. It's soon, like next month. I know. <laughs> I'm not worried. We're like on a tangent about reports, but like public speaking, I think it just, it, so many things tie into it. I mean, yeah. Like if you can do it, it's awesome. And uh, I think, I think it's like one of the top skills that you can have. Like it, communication in itself is like so much of a skill that a lot of people haven't so many very few people have mastered and if you can do that like you could probably pretty much do any job or you can get paid for it very very well Mm -hmm. i mean the same thing goes with public speaking like if you can do that very well i think you're gonna get paid good money yes um if you leverage for example when we were at Goodfellow, I had a plan and offsite where we were all going to go to a different location and basically do like some leadership and development. Um, 
and my boss wanted us to get an author to come talk about her book. So we, I say we, um, her book was bought for all the leaders in our group and they had to read the, read the book prior to, and then the author came and spoke to it. She got paid $15,000 an hour. And that's $30,000 for two hours. That's like the low end. I know. Like she actually lowered the price so that it would be with like in the cutoff of the military or whatever. She gave us a military discount, but $30,000 for two hours. People make that in a year. Like that's people's annual salary and you made it in two hours. Yep. Just from literally standing up and talking. Hell yeah. And they pay for your lodging. Yeah. They pay for your travel. They <laughs> yeah. uh, Jim Rohn, that, that Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, the, the personal development guy that I listen to a lot. He, uh, he would say that he's like, people pay me to, to speak and say all this stuff. But if uh, they don't have me traveling first ca- class, they're not going to have me speak. Yeah, I mean, so you get all the perks. You get you get that option, right? Like you can say, these are my requirements to come speak. And people who want you to come speak will pay it. I mean, fucking Tony Robbins makes millions off of it. Well, I find him so annoying. Like, I don't know what else he did like he obviously he's doing things right but like i don't know what he did beforehand to get the public speaking gigs you know what i'm saying didn't he write a book well yeah but based off of what like i don't know i don't know what he did to warrant public speaking like that or writing a book like that like let's take so Jim Rohn, again that guy. I don't know who that is? Passed Somebody away a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, but he was like the, uh, he's like the Godfather of personal development. He's not, but like to me he is. Yeah. Anyways, this guy before he he started his public speaking gig, and and personal development and all that stuff and writing books, like he was a master salesman. Yeah. And he made he made millions, uh, just uh, selling. I, I forgot what he was selling. But anyways, he was a master salesman, made it, grinded, made his money, and then he became a public speaker, and then he started writing personal development personal development books and all that. I don't think Tony Robbins did any of that. He kind of, like he says, Jim Rohn was his mentor. So I don't know if he just followed him around, learned how to public speak, and then bam, got on the circuit. And now he sells out fucking seminars for... Fucking five thousand dollars for a ticket or something like that. Or yeah, probably, it's or probably dumb. more. Um, like there are just some people. Um, let's see. My my thing is, it just feels like there's no substance behind what so you're trying to deliver. He took a job organizing seminars for Jim Rohn. Yeah, what the fuck is that? He was a a planner. And basically rode on his coattails and started doing like, he became a salesman selling seminar tickets and planning seminars and then basically became like a comedy opener. <laughs> like like not comedy, but he became like the motivational opener, getting people pumped up for yeah. Jim Rohn. And then he took his own, he took his gig elsewhere. Um 
I don't know. Like, there are people who I'm like, man, like, I really want to go and, like, be motivated by you. But they, some people are just over the freaking top. And I find them so annoying. Like, a lot of the really famous ones who are, like, jumping around and yelling and, I'm like, man, I'm going to need you to calm the fuck down and tell me how to do whatever I'm trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's just people's personalities and, um... Yeah. I don't know. I, I find it sometimes like people try too hard in public speaking and it becomes too much. Yeah. Some people do because they figure out that there's money in it. Yeah. People are going to try to do it no matter if they're good or if they suck. Yeah. But, but I mean, you look at the guys like Tony Robinson, Roan, like all these guys, uh, all these public speakers. Um, like if they weren't great public speakers, I yeah. don't think they'd have a business in any of it. Mm-mm. Like, you're not going to keep on paying or watching these dudes' YouTube videos or fucking audio or whatever when they're just, like, bumbling through their shit. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess the best way to to bring this to where it makes sense to people is you see it in sports a lot. Like, at the, at the post-game interviews. You can tell the ones who are, like, comfortable and the ones who are, like, fuck, I just don't want to be in front of this camera. <laughs> you know? Um, and even though they're playing a sports game. I've, I've seen so many of those interviews just go wrong. Well, you know, like, when they're playing a game and they're not talking in front of anything, they're just on the camera or whatever. It's, like, what? it doesn't matter. But when they sit at, like, that media stand and they have to talk, yeah. some of them just, like, clam up. Like, they didn't just be on national TV in front of millions of people and now it's like I have to say words <laughs> <laughs> that's how some of them are <laughs> but just think about them <laughs> it's like hey how'd you, how'd you figure out how to win tonight uh I, I had a I team play, I got the ball <laughs> and I scored a touchdown and we won <laughs> like, great analysis thanks <laughs> but I mean that's like kind of one of the easy ways to break it down on like how important it is to be able to comfortably speak in front of a group of people. <laughs> yeah. Even about something that they're really smart on, right? Like they're comfortable with the information, super smart on the game, but still when you put them in front of people, they're like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, I mean, you see them in, in post game interviews, like uh, when they're, they're at the conferences or whatever. And all those reporters are asking them questions. There's some that just fucking kill it. Like they're naturals and there's other, they're just they're searching for words they're struggling what they're saying doesn't make any sense and it's like i mean like not shit on them because i'm one of those guys too like (laughs) in high school that i got in front of the microphone a couple times and just completely shit the bed and bmt they recorded me and i just shit the bed it's weird i get it but like that's the difference like think about um like deon sanders like you know who deon sanders is football player yeah so he was famous <laughs> football player he was amazing he was great prime time uh and then um after he retired i forgot what he what he did after i think he was an analyst for a while on one of the sports networks anyways he ended up coaching football and uh he went to one of the hbcu colleges and those colleges like they don't get that much uh like media attention yeah um and he went to one of them and he was like winning and he brought all this attention to to these games and to like uh to the HBCU colleges um 
What does that mean? HBC? Uh, historically black colleges, I think, oh, okay. or something like that. Man, I just made that up. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, he brought all these attentions to these colleges. I'm looking. Historically black colleges and universities. Yeah. yeah. So I was right. Um, <clears throat> he brought all this attention. And I think, like, you've had coaches that go there in the past and they win. They win big. But this was Dion, and Dion loves the fucking camera. Yeah, and he uh, he is no stranger to public speaking. Like any time he got in front of the camera, like he was saying some shit. But he was he was flashy. He was articulate. He like said the shit that was on his mind, the shit that made you laugh, the shit that pissed some people off, like whatever. But he was just fluid with it, yeah. and he brought that to the game in college. And all of a sudden, like everybody's going to these HBCU games, and now they're on on ESPN, and they get they're getting all this attention. It's because Dion, mm-hmm. and like if you have someone like Dion, and his public speaking skills were that of you know Bill Belichick is, the coach uh, for the Patriots, yeah. who says like two words and he mumbles, he he would I don't think he would have gotten that attention in those colleges. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how Bill. I know who he is, but I don't know how, like how he public speaks. But he you, does. He you basically ha- does it. <laughs> you have to be able to draw attention to yourself, really. Like when you're in a position like that. Yeah. Um, well, and- uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, H, like, uh, not H, like, uh, uh, Bill Belichick. It, he has no public sp- speaking skills. Does he do it? Yes, but he mumbles. He he says. He's like very short with it. He does. It's kind of like. But you uh, know what? I bet when you put him in the locker room in front of his team, he's awesome. Maybe. I mean, I maybe I he's shitty. But <laughs> I don't know. He won a lot of games when Tom Brady was there. Since yeah. Tom Brady's left, he's just been average. Yeah. But then now the New England Patriots are not getting as much attention as they once did. That's true. Yeah. Like if he was an outspoken coach or the public speaker, they probably still would be getting that kind of attention. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, like, as much as Bill Belichick won, put him, oh, but he's white. <laughs> so, uh, like, if you put him in that position in the HBCU colleges, yeah, like, and he won, like Dion won, I still don't think he'd bring that attention that Dion brought, just yeah, because just, Dion he didn't have is the presence. That, yeah, yeah, he's that public speaker. Yeah, I don't think people realize like how many factors in your life can improve when you become like a better public speaker yeah i i i wish like uh man i wish i could public speak like that like some of the best public speakers where you can just get in front of a crowd and just like cut loose yeah you know i just i don't know this podcast is making me think about like all the times where i've used it like not necessarily public speaking but just like I guess it's public speaking, but you know, like, um, I've been, and this is like a way dumbed down version of public speaking. Let me preface it with that. But I've been on like a field trip with the kids and these kids will be running wild and there'll be a parent over there. Who's just like, like side eyeing, like, I don't know what I've got myself into. How do I get these kids? And I'm like, Hey, oh yeah, get over here. (laughs) And, um, it takes that like just comfortability of, like, they're all kids. Like, they're going to do what you say because you're the grown-up, right? But, 
Like, I've seen those, like, meek parents who are like, I'm not going to talk in front of all these people. Like, I don't know what the other parents are going to say. I don't know what the kids are going to say. Um, and it's, like, it's just such those, like, even that, you know, that's a comfortability of being able to just say whatever you have to say. I mean, like, when it comes to that, I don't give a shit. But uh, there are times when I'm like, Ooh, you know. Yeah. Like, when the damn chief of staff came to Goodfellow and we had to, like, talk in front of him, I was like, ooh. Like, I know everything there is to know about this topic, but also, like, you're the highest-ranking person in the Air Force, so if you could just not talk to me, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's how it was for me. Like, uh, my last job, I did plenty of public speaking to high-ranking individuals that because that was just part of the job. Not bragging or anything. Kind of sound brag. like a brag. Yeah, so I sound <laughs> like an asshole right now. But no, like that, it was just part of the job just because of like uh, the work that we did. And it was, it was very, uh, it was high visibility. So a bunch of distinguished visitors, high ranking officials, they came through just to see what was going on. And I talked to plenty of them, briefed plenty of them. And uh, um, it was great. But there was a couple of them, four star generals. It was a four-star and a three-star. And for both of them that I briefed, I was just, like, super fucking nervous. Like, I knew the information in and out. Yep. No issue with the information. Um, but just, like, the nature of these of these individuals' positions, like, in the military, it was, it was nerve-wracking. And, yeah. like, for me, you, you could tell. And I felt it. I definitely felt it. And people afterwards were like, oh, you did great. You did great. It was it was great. Um, but then me on the inside thinking, it's like, oh, man, they're just being nice. They're not, they don't want to be assholes. You beat yourself up, yeah. And uh, But whatever, even though I was, like, very comfortable with the information, I was still a wreck when it came to briefing those individuals just because – I have a fear of public speaking. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I guess that would just be like your your average manager at a company. Like, what would you do if the CEO just walked in and was like, hey, kind of tell me how you guys do things around here? You know, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, you may be the best regional manager of whatever your job is. Michael Scott. But when the CEO walks in, you're going to feel some type of way no matter how comfortable you are in your job. I would say most people will would um so yeah i don't know it's just a a skill that i think people can work towards but i don't think it's a skill where i will ever be like oh man no matter what the circumstance i'm gonna be good to go i, I want to be a public a public speaker like uh like tom cruise and a few good men you just gotta yell <laughs> just i let, want the truth let them keep talking you keep screaming over it and they'll be like what the is wrong with this guy we just saw that movie last night fucking yeah, great great movie movie. Yeah. yeah it'd be nice if there was a skill and you know what i don't i don't know like people say they work on it they work on it they work on it and they become these great speakers um but the people that you see or hear say that stuff like all you know them as is great speakers yeah I want to see the videos, <laughs> like, when they started out. Like, let's see the proof. Let's see how much you sucked, and then you became this great speaker. I want to know if you weren't already a natural. Yeah. I mean, some people just are. Like, they just, yeah. they're naturally comfortable. Like, they, they're they confident. 
I mean, you see um, them all the time in the schoolhouse. Yeah. Um, and then some people, you're like, you know what you should do? Record yourself and watch it. Yeah. I um, wish we could have done that in the schoolhouse. I tried. I pushed for it so hard, and they were adamantly against it. I think it would be great and detrimental at the same time. For one, I think the quality of people that came through, like that made it, yeah. would be a hundred times better. Yeah. Because they could judge themselves and they know exactly what to fix. Because it's not the same as somebody telling us like, hey, you got this tick, like that you, you're always shrugging your shoulder when, you, when you're briefing. Stop that. Yeah. Like, it's, for some people, it doesn't register until you see yourself doing it. Yeah. Uh, but then on the flip side, I think so many more people would just wash out. They'd be like, fuck this. I can't take this. You I'm know like, what? And yes, I think it, it hurts some people, but not as many as you would think. Because during COVID, that's how they had to do it. Yeah. They had to record themselves. Now, if they're anything like me, they record it, save it, and post it. Don't ever watch it. But that's the thing. It's not... You're still not in front of an audience. Yeah, I'm not saying like that, but I'm saying like if you physically watch yourself like you can get up and and talk or whatever in front of the audience but watching it back i think helps you um so yes i think it would be detrimental to some people but like for me so full disclosure i had been in my career for like five years and a lot of that is talking in front of people and in the position i was in when we were stationed in las vegas i had to give a briefing at the beginning of every shift like, hey, this is what we're doing for the day. All the things. Um, but as part of my degree plan, I had to take a public speaking um, class. And so I was like, oh, I'll just clip this. This is super easy. I talk in front of people every day. Um, there is like an art to public speaking. And so I went in there. They give you like 10 minutes. They give you a topic. You can use that 10 minutes however you want. So I used like five minutes to prepare, to write down what I was going to say, three minutes to read my speech, and then I turned it in. I passed the speech part. But there was a freaking test you have to take about like the qualities of public speaking. And I bombed that shit like hard. I didn't know there was a test, so I didn't study for it. I was just like, oh, public speaking, give a speech, walk out. And they were like, there's a whole test you got to do with this. Um, so I ended up failing the clip and having to take the class. Well, in that public speaking class, um, for every speech we gave, we had to record it and like submit it as a discussion post. And people had to watch it and like give me feedback, which was terrible. But you're supposed to watch your own videos and critique your own videos. I did not watch one of the videos that I recorded. <laughs> not one of them. Um, would it have helped me? Probably. But... Uh, like I, the I, the way I feel watching myself, I did not want. I would rather just not do it. So yeah, just watching those videos is like it's cringe. I did the same thing. It was just with. That's when I figured out when I had to do it on a weekly basis. Like oh my gosh, I am terrible. But what I'm saying is like even when you have to record those videos, you're still not in front of the audience. So yeah. you're not doing the public speaking that you think how you would normally do it. No, that's accurate. It, if that makes any sense. So like if you're, if you're going to record a session like that, like it still needs to be you conveying information to an audience. Yeah. For the proper, I think for the prop, 
proper corrections or like feedback or whatever. So, yeah, that, I don't know. Maybe I like said it wrong, but like if you are giving like if you're doing a public speaking engagement, like hey, um, you're gonna present this safety briefing to your company, um, and it's just a natural part of your job. While you're doing that, have somebody record you and watch it in the aftermath. Yeah. Because that is how you can grow as a public speaker. Um, Because while you are giving this safety brief to your pseudo company or whatever, um, afterwards, somebody may be like, man, you were sweating. Like, are you good? Like, you were nervous, right? Um, And you'd be like, oh, like, was it that bad, you know? And But then when you see yourself and it looks like, the fucking key and peel scene. <laughs> and, and then you're like, I got to get this under control. Like until you see it yourself, yeah. it's hard to um, justify it. Right. And, and and those are the times where I wish were like, when I come out of the brief, rarely will you have people that are like super honest with you and be like, yeah. dude, that was rough. Like you need to, you need to go work. So with, because of how I feel with that, I try to be honest with people like, Hey, you're working towards it still need a lot of work right or like hey that was really good here's some tips but for that reason like if you it would make perfect sense to record you while you were briefing or or giving the speech or public speaking or whatever to people so like no matter what people were telling it's like hey you did great you killed it or like oh man that was the worst thing i've seen in a while you can be objective and watch that video and be like oh they were they were right about the sweat um, but I actually sounded pretty good. Like, yeah. whatever. I mean, you would still need outside opinion because you're going to be biased, but, um, it becomes a lot more realistic and you're right. You can grow that way. I just, how that started was, I, I don't know that the great speakers of today started out like being bad, like <laughs> terrible. I, I truly believe like all those great speakers, like, they were okay speakers to begin with. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm they, sure nobody like got up there and bumbled their way through a yeah. speech, you know. And and I've heard a bunch of people talk about it. It's like, oh man, yeah, I couldn't get two words out without shaking or pissing my pants or whatever. It's like, I I doubt that. I doubt yeah. that very much. I mean, I've seen people like I'm one of the people that's like, I suck at I sucked very bad at public speaking, but now, basically, I could fake my way through it. Right. What is your what is your known nervous tick while speaking? My known nervous tick. Like, uh, what do you do that you know you do to help you get yourself through public speaking? Oh, for me? Mm-hmm. My hands. Like, I have to, uh, the, my comfort zone is like doing something with my hands. So, usually okay. I'll have a, a pen or like a pointer, uh, a control. Um, something just to keep my hands busy. I like spin my wedding ring. Yeah, like, I, I've, a lot. I've done that too. Um, it's because it's it's not overly distracting, but my hands are moving. So like I'm not waving them or like doing the YMCA up here, but like I do. I just spin my ring. But one thing that I had to like really break the habit of is like we have to wear badges to get into our building. And so I would like pull my badge or like like mess with it. <laughs> it's like wow, wow. <laughs> so because I have like a 
I don't know what they're called, like one of the stretchy extenders so I can like badge in. And I had to stop because it it was distracting to me, the briefer. So I can't imagine like the people who are watching me. Um, but yeah, it's because it's weird. Like, what do you do with your hands, right? Like, well, that's the thing. Like the great speakers, it all seems so naturally. Like every movement that they do with their hands is a purpose for what yeah. they're saying. It's like emphasizing the point that they're making or like the way I'm doing it now, but this doesn't make any sense. He's grabbing boobs. Yeah, I'm just grabbing <laughs> boobs. Like you look at their hands. It's almost like if you put it on mute and you just watch their movement, you'd know what's going on. You'd like, be like, oh, shit. he's yeah. getting hyped up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how good they are. Like in reality, would you be able to? No, probably not. But it just yeah. it just makes sense. We should, we should we should become uh, great public speakers so we can get paid. You know what my favorite is? Is when people uh, do ad-libs <laughs> like over people public speaking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what I want to be a professional. I, I don't be, know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> I'll be a professional ad-libber. <laughs> no, but uh, yes, I do want to get better at it, um, mainly because... I want my job on the outside, like once I retire, which is coming up excessively quick, um, to be some kind of teaching gig. And so I need to be more comfortable before I get there. Let's go. Let's do it. Toastmasters all the way. Toastmasters. That's a program you can use to be a better public speaker. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Lewis Howes. He like swears by Toastmasters. Is that like a just a widely public thing you can go to? Yeah. Or is it just military? No, no, it's for everybody. Oh yeah. Like the military is easy because usually every base has one. Mm -hmm. Some people go through churches or their businesses or whatever. Nice. Let's do it. I can do Toastmasters. Toastmasters for life. For life. Yeah, I just, I just went, like, I would love to get to that point where it's like, hey, we need you to give this speech. And I'll be like, got it. Get up in front on stage and just fucking kill it. Like, man, um, that was the best fucking safety brief I've ever received. I need, um, I need a minute to, like, gather my thoughts. I struggle at impromptus. And I think, like, that's where Toastmasters could help me grow. Um, but... I remember being in ALS or like our leadership training um, and you have to like pick up a flashcard and give like a three minute speech on it. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> I shit the bed on that one because I didn't have any time to gather my thoughts. Um, mine was had to be about Tupperware. Like I had to <laughs> sell people on Tupperware and I had exactly 30 seconds from the time I flipped over the card so when I gave a three-minute speech, I was like talking about leftovers, and uh, that's that salesmanship right there. Like, like all this stuff, and it, I don't even remember what I talked about. Um, like waterproof, dishwasher safe. I was saying all these things, right? Like all these buzzwords about Tupperware, how you can stack them easy. If you lose a lid, you can get a lid from a different bowl. It'll fit on this one, too. Like, all these things, right? Because, but I, man, I felt terrible after that. It was, like, one of those that basically said, like, no matter how comfortable you are, sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was, 
not the way to go. <laughs> That's what we did in, in MTI school. Yeah. The instructor, he went around our desk. And he just put a random thing on everybody's desk. And, like, nobody knew what was going on. And then at the end, he was like, okay, each one of you are going to give me, uh, I forgot how long it was, like, two, three-minute brief on the object in front of you. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? What was yours? I think it was, like, a little Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Go, up, go. Yep. Anyways, I think we can stop it there. All right. Don't cut me off cold like that. Hey, cold turkey. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Don't forget to hit us up on the website and social media, Facebook, Instagram. Follow us, like us, heart us, all the things. And uh, wherever you're following us. Oh, no. Wherever you're listening to us, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow us and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Babes? Give us five stars. Give us five stars. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scouts. (laughs) We'll see you all next week. Later.